When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Missing the Point. We're talking basketball. It's the offseason, but some shit is going down. You're here. We're here to talk Celtics and the honestly mega blockbuster trade. Uh, probably the biggest trade that the Celtics have done since, I don't know, like... Isaiah. But, like, that wasn't blockbuster. Honestly, I think it's, I honestly think it's the biggest trade since we traded away Paul and KG and Ray. I, I think that that... Or what about Paul the Kyrie one? I, I that was a signing, wasn't it? I don't think we traded for him. Oh no, no, they traded. They traded. I see. No, it was a trade. Yeah, oh, that, right, 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 right. I see. That's right. Because then it was the whole thing with the sister that was set. I don't know. I think Marcus meant more to the. I think Marcus meant more to the organization than uh, than it did. Just uh, based on based on time no, spent. Fair. And this is the thing that we're going to talk about. We're we're going to break it down like this. Just at the top of the hour, I'm going to tell everybody how this is going to go. We're going to talk initial reactions to Marcus Market and traded in the context of. The last couple of seasons, uh, the postseason runs and, and, you know, the chemistry and stuff like that, the stuff we've had to change up. I want to know best Marcus Smart memories. I want to talk about him in a positive light and the, the ways that he's contributed to this team since we drafted him what feels like fucking eons ago yeah. at this point. I want to hear about, uh, you know, what he brought to the team, like the culture, what you liked about him. I want to hear what frustrated you about him. Or we're going to do a whole Marcus Smart retrospective. Then we're going to talk about the Memphis side of the trade because I personally feel like it's exactly like Tony Allen, right? It's the exact same fucking thing. Same like dogged defender, a guy that's been around since the, since the jump of his career with us. And I'm pretty sure they're both 29 when they got traded. So it's like, that's correct. You know, this is, this is a very similar. And I think Memphis is a perfect place for him. I think they're going to love him there. We'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about KP and the impact that he's going to have, uh, hopefully on the Celtics what you see the team looking like, how we're going to run in an ideal world, this Kristaps Porzingis new front court, essentially, right? Completely different look. I mean, we're going to have to do a lot of things differently with a guy like him. And then lastly, I want to talk, because we haven't actually been together since it's basically been 100%, at least the, the specific uh, tr trio here, basically been decided that we're running it back with Joe Missoula. But it seems we put what I would call our dream cast around him to maybe make him help him make more veteran decisions throughout the regular season and hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, the postseason next year. So that's just me telling the guys, essentially, listeners, because it's been a bit of a whirlwind here on the podcast and we did not have time to prep any show notes today. So I'm just saying it in advance so that they can start thinking about the shit I'm going to ask them. But these are professionals. They're going to be just fine. So we're talking about Marcus Smart and I'm just going to lead it off with the fact that he was a polarizing figure. Uh, in Boston, I, I feel like Celtics Twitter, uh, for for better or for worse, would would come out with postseason takes on Marcus Smart based in what seemed to me like a bunch of people that did not watch him in the regular season that just kind of showed up in the postseason and didn't understand what he really did, or didn't really watch postseasons where it didn't look like we had a chance at winning. Bandwagoners and had certain criticisms of Marcus, of Marcus Smart. At the same time, certain criticisms of Marcus Smart have been valid in the past. 
I want to start positive and I want to talk about your favorite memories of him, if, if whether it be specific uh, games or specific moments or just like an overall sort of evaluation on, on what he brought to the culture. Because for me, it's really hard to pick a specific memory, but I really enjoyed and I can't remember who the player was that got fouled. But I don't know if you remember, this is this is the thing that sparks in my mind when I think about Marcus Smart. One of our guys went up and they broke the cardinal, the other team broke the cardinal rule of basketball, which is you don't hit somebody when their center of gravity has gone, when they're up in the air. Hit like tabletop the guy, hit the ground. I just remember I've never seen Marcus Smart run that fast before since to get in the dude's face, right? And that to me was like the cultural staple of Marcus Smart, the things he brought to the table. When, when we were complaining about this team not having enough grit, not being in enough fights, not fucking opening their mouths, rolling over, da-da-da. That criticism was very rarely able to be leveled at him. So, Ray, what are your fondest memories of Marcus, whether it be, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll use the word intangible 7,000 times on this podcast talking about him and speci uh, specifically, but, you know, is it something like my favorite memory of him getting into scraps? Is it a play? Is it a defensive play, an offensive play? Is it, is it, uh, is it him firing up the team? Is it him ignoring Grant Williams and walking away from him in the huddle? Because that's one of mine, too. What's, talk to me about Marcus. I wanted to start negative though. No, we'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. No, you know that, that that was for you, Mike. But no, I I have two. There's two that come to mind right away, and one of them sparked one of the best debates on the show. So and we talked about you know 2020 in the bubble, uh, Toronto and, and Boston went back and forth. Which at that time Toronto was the defending champs. Obviously, you know Kawhi had already went to uh, L.A. at that time, and you know they uh, L.A. ended up losing to Denver. In, in that second round, but uh, the the five threes he hit, and I think it was the game two, he hit like five threes in a row, and you know they was kind of dead in the water that game because you know Toronto was just being Toronto and hanging around, and Lowry's being Lowry and Van Vliet's being Van Vliet, and you know they're just doing whatever. And once again, was this the Toronto stink year? Is that is that what the year was? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Won that series? I don't. Yeah, you know, yeah, Russell won a seven, but in yeah. seven, in um, seven, yeah. In so, seven. yeah, him, yeah, the, the, the five threes he hit. <laughs> Turns out Boston do too, though. That's the problem. Anyway, so yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, the, the five, the five threes in a row were 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 just special to see. In that moment, like he he rose to the occasion there. But then the other one I think of is the game three of the twenty seventeen uh, conference finals. They had got smacked by Cleveland the first two games. I think IT gets hurt in game two, which ended up being really being his last game in uh, Boston. And Marcus Smart comes out there and scores 27 in game three. You know, uh, I think Avery Bradley or Jerebko hit. No, it was Jerebko hit the game winning shot with like Rabbit. one oh. second left. And, you know, was that, that when he was that when he's uh, sitting on the ground and he's like, yeah, like, was that the uh, that, that highlight? I, I, might, might have been. I, I, I'm not sure. But I like to do, those are just like I said that, that game two against Toronto and the, the playoffs that year, and then like I said that, that game three. Like there's other moments that I know you guys were bringing up, but those those are two that stick out to me, you know, just just at, at first thought. Yeah, it's tough that uh, to think about that year too because it's like the the second one you brought up because it's like I I always think back so fondly to that Wizard series it versus John Wall and like that well, crazy like back and forth they had for that whole series and then. IT goes down and little did we know, right? Like that next summer, like all that stuff happens. But, you know, that's what sticks out to me about that time period. But it is interesting to remember that Marcus was such a huge contributor to that in, in key moments because up until this last year, he was really the like 
I'm the only one doing anything guy if we were sucking, right? Like if we weren't doing well, he would be like, fuck it, I'm dragging them out of this. And he didn't really have that anymore. And I do want to talk about how I think we sold high on him. Like I, I know that a lot of people are, are reacting negatively to this trade, but I think we sold high on him on the fact that like, I'm not 100% sure he's ever going to replicate that. Like that, what you're talking about, Ray. And I think that what we got in return is pretty fair if that's, if true, right? But Bobby, your, your favorite moments of our uh, of our warring guard. Yeah, mine's mine goes back to a time where the Celtics not having heart and grit was the biggest problem that we had, and that's 2017. So, so now that's that's the well, even even more so, and that's the Kyrie years, man. The only person that ever showed heart and grit in that time was Marcus, and it's the Houston Rockets game in December of 2017 where Marcus Smart single-handedly took down, I, I think they were the one seed. I think they were the best team in the NBA at that point in, in James Harden's Houston Rockets by by forcing two offensive fouls within the last minute of the game. Yep. And I just think it, it, it gave not only that team, but gave Marcus Smart more of a lore in Boston because, you know, that's what Boston loves. They love those intangibles. They love, you know taking a team that's so much better than them at the time and and using those intangibles to get that win. So I, I that one sticks out to me the most, especially the one, I think there was like t- under 10 seconds left where he forced that charge against Harden. And it, it, it just really Harden sticks like out through that threw that game away too. Like yeah. Harden, like being peak Harden at that point, like do you remember like right at that around that time he like dribbled it out of bounds or like didn't pass it in right or something and we got the ball back like we really shouldn't have won that game and I think Marcus was a huge part of that but like I do remember fucking Harden fucking up <laughs> like really bad in that game that, like, that, the fucking arc. that one offensive foul though just epitomizes who Marcus Smart was is taking their best player and turning it against the other team just because of who Marcus Smart was man you know and I think the other one too was the best no 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 yes 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 I've ever seen in my life, and that's the Brooklyn Nets uh, buzzer beater last year, where everyone in the stadium, if you go back and listen to this, you can hear the entire stadium scream no when Marcus goes up to shoot, but instead he passes it to Tatum. Tatum does the famous spin, goes up for the buzzer beater. Those those two stick out in my mind. I'll never forget Marcus, man. And my other one is my Wicked Smart shirt. that That's retired now. I don't know if I can bust that out anymore because, you know, it, it'll never be Wicked Smart again, ever. So th- th- yeah. those are the three things to stick out. Those are all good. I kept one in my back pocket because I, I didn't want to steal it from you guys, but I don't know if you remember. Uh, it was like halfway through his rookie year, or maybe not even halfway through, maybe like a f- maybe 20 games into his rookie year. We played Brooklyn. It was post-trading KG to Brooklyn, right? And it was the first ever, at least in my mind, maybe he had done it before this, but it was the first ever, like, Marcus Smart dives for a steal slash loose ball, right? And he picks the ball up. I'm pretty sure it was, I forget who coughed it up, to be honest with you, but Marcus gets the ball. We still had Jeff Green on the team. He goes down the court. KG goes to, like, jam it loose, and Marcus, like, before he gets there, throws it up to Jeff Green, and Jeff Green dunks it, and then KG complimented him afterwards, and I was like, oh, okay. We got the KG blessing on Marcus on this Marcus Smart kid. I think that we might have something here. I think if Tommy had not a died, 
uh, he would have like a higher account balance of of Tommy points than he actually does. I think that he might even rival the great Walter McCarty if uh, if there was it's still close. it's close. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, close. he was he's up there, you know. And if we had we not traded him, I'm sure he would have gotten some more. Jared Jack, Jared Jack was the guy who caught the ball up for Brooklyn. If that that's a deep cut for anybody, um, that's a great deep oh, wow. cut. Bro. That's a great uh, deep cut. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but he used to love to cop the ball up. So. I do, I do, I do have another one though. I okay, yeah, two, please, please have some more. This is a Marcus Memorial. Yeah, so the, the, game, the game winner against Toronto. This is early in his career though. I think I, they just got it, and they missed the layup. Olenek, I think, it missed it at the rim, and Marcus Smart laid it, laid it back up. And all I can hear is Cedric Maxwell like, "The same thing that makes you laugh will make you cry." Marcus <laughs> Smart, baby, like you know, so I grab him back home. And then I, I don't know if I was there for this game, like as a fan, but I think the the eleven threes he hit against Phoenix. I remember the 2019 season. Phoenix Phoenix had just been. I mean, Booker always comes to the Boston and goes to work. He, he he just always he he always goes crazy against us in that building, anyways. And Marcus Smart went crazy and had 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 eleven threes. By far his his best game offensively of, of his career. So I think that those are those are the last two. I'm sure there's other moments, but those are the two that that came to uh, to to memory. Do you remember the one game? If since we're doing this, do you remember the one game? I want to say it was maybe a second or third years against OKC at OKC, and it was like Russ at the height of his powers, right? And I was never a big Russell Westbrook fan, as you guys know. This is well documented, but I remember really clearly it was it was like it was a it was a rematch between the two of them because the game before that. Russ had kind of fucked Marcus up. Like he really kind of gave it to him. And in this game, I remember really clearly thinking that showed a lot of grit because he came back. He he kept Russ to like fucking five points. He scored like 27. He had like eight rebounds. It was like the quintessential Marcus Smart game. It was like 26, eight rebounds, like like three blocks, three steals. Like it was just like all, all around. And it was like, and if you watched it with the eye test back, you'd be like, holy shit, that, that is a Marcus Smart game. Like the, if he has a game like that, you win the game kind of a thing, you know, because he influenced the game in so many different ways, especially defensively, but he was such a momentum player. You know, he could swing the momentum. And I, again, I mean, I put an asterisk on this last year because he just wasn't able to do that for us when we needed him the most last year, which, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I blame him for that. I think there was more problems than Marcus Smart, but like he was such a guy that could really swing the momentum of a game with a steal, with a block, with a, with a with a big rebound, with diving for a loose ball, getting into a fight, you know, like this is the theme of 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 who this guy was, and I don't necessarily disagree with the people who criticize him for being a volume shooter and missing a lot of those shots and shooting on cold streaks and shooting at really inopportune times, but at the same time, man, like that's been a problem with this whole team, you know, like, and I think he shouldered a lot of the blame for that quality in the Celtics like especially this last season like we were a fucking three sh three point shooting team we didn't know how to do anything else like we were completely fucking two dimensional in that sense so we got figured out and I don't think you can put it all on Marcus Smart to like get that figured out and also honorable mention to the the time that Grant Williams was trying to fire us up uh two seasons ago in the Eastern Conference Finals against Miami and Marcus just rolled his, uh, rolled his eyes and walked away uh, I really enjoyed that because <laughs> I fucking hate that guy Ah, uh, Grant Williams, that is not Marcus Smart. All, all love for Marcus. You got it. You guys got any more good moments? I mean, not necessarily. Just that you know, through the last nine years, Marcus has been such a staple to this city and to this organization. And like, 
he really was the identity of this team. You know, as much as, you know, we'll get into it, as much as this move made sense, I completely understand the blowback and, and the fire behind the Celtics, emo- Celtics fans' emotions behind this trade. You know, like, I totally get it, but it was the time to sell high. We'll get into it more. It was the right time and the right place, but, like, it's completely understandable Celtics Really, fans went through a, a period of mourning for Marcus Smart because yeah. he he literally was the Celtics for the last decade. You know what I mean? Like, I I remember picking up that Wicked Smart shirt. And it feels like a lifetime ago that I got that man. It was when it was here. You know, through all these iterations of these of these teams that overachieved from these teams that you know didn't have heart, and he was the heart. There's just so many seasons where Marcus was the positive point for this team and, and and the heart and the grit. And that's what Boston gravitates towards. So it's so understandable. The the emotion and, and the the heartbreak, the real heartbreak that this fan base has gone through over the last week. It's it's so understandable. Yeah. I <clears throat> honorable mention too to that pass to Tatum uh for the spin move for the the game winner. Yeah, man. This playoff. I, there's a lot, you know, like we're realizing it as we talk about it and more more uh, moments kind of come up in my head. I'm getting kind of sad thinking about it. Like there are a lot of moments that Marcus Smart has come, you know, come through for our team. And also there is this, I don't know if you guys experienced this, maybe you knew it already or, or were more aware of it than me, but there was this kind of come to Jesus about how much Marcus Smart loved Boston when he got traded. Like maybe it's revisionist history, but it's like, I don't know if you saw, but like every single screenshot of the thing was like a screenshot of his like Twitter profile of like the greatest city on earth. And greatest like city. Yep. And it's like, oh man, he actually really liked it here. And in a in a city that inside the context of the NBA, not everybody is a huge fan of coming to play here for for a myriad of reasons. One most obvious, but I think that it, it, it's been historically difficult for us to get free agents to come to Boston because I think that inside NBA culture. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Inside NBA culture, Boston isn't seen as like an entirely NBA friendly city uh, to play in as much as like, obviously, we've had a profound amount of success with the Celtics. I think they're, you know, to not get into it too deeply, I think that certain things that happened while while Bill Russell was playing here and certain things that have happened in the city and there's certain certain reputation that we've cultivated as a city that may be true and may not be true. It's probably true everywhere, but, you know, maybe it's not a great idea to like cultivate the fact that you like don't like you're not the most welcoming city in the world to black people when you want to get fucking NBA players to come play for your fucking team. And like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the actual answer to that question is. I think that like, there's probably nuance to it. But what I do think is that somebody of Marcus Smart's caliber and somebody of his, like of his level saying that he loved the city of Boston was helpful to us in maybe repairing some of the damage that we've done as fans. (laughs) If that makes sense. Like if I'm way off base, let me know. But I think that, I think that it's always good to have players like that, like him, like KG guys that, that like you said, Bobby, like do epitomize the grit and toughness that we try to put forth in this city. Say, Hey, this is a good place to play basketball. You know, whether, whether we deserve the criticism. He said it, KG said it at his his retirement ceremony. I don't know if if it was caught on air or not, but he said, he was like, look, he said, Boston, and this is verbatim. He said, Boston, I knew y'all fucked with me, but I didn't know y'all fucked with me like this. He said, I fucked mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, so, man. Yeah. That, that, so it was, you know, he was only here for, he was here for six years? Six years? Yeah. And I so, think that, like, I think that what's true about Boston, 
you know, regardless of like whatever fucking idiot might say some shit on Twitter individually, I think that like what's true of our city more than anything else is like if you play for one of our teams, like we love you more than our children. So it's it's like, you know, I for named, better I for named worse. one of my children. Yeah, right. after him, so <laughs> so you know. it's like for, for better or for worse. Like I think that like I you know I I hope to to, to eventually rid the the thinking of NBA players that like we're like that but like LeBron James says it every two weeks that we're the most fucking racist city to go play in and like I'm not gonna like denigrate his experience because he's on the fucking court getting screamed at by our fans and I'm sure he's heard some diabolical shit but if Marcus Smart loves it here then like that's good enough for me as far as like as far as guys that I respect go but uh, in saying that, we are gonna have to talk about the negative side of Marcus's game and what positives it might bring to. Essentially, I think we we can probably, in order to not beat up on Marcus Smart too much, talk about it in the sense of uh, a transition from a backcourt focus to a frontcourt focus, which is, I think, what we're trying to do. And I, I think it's also no no secret that I've been fucking begging for this for like <laughs> ten years. I'm very excited that we have a seven foot three guy in the fucking frontcourt and a guy that can do all those things. Would I have picked Kristaps Porzingis off of, off of a wish list uh, in my top five? Probably not. But that's only because of his injury history and like his inability to like actually string a lot of games together. But last season was, was his best example of stringing a lot of games together. So maybe I'm wrong. But what do you think, Ray, is going to be the biggest change strategically, tactically, uh, now that we've essentially declared Derek White, I would imagine, our starting point guard, right? Like he's our number one guard now, which I'm totally fine with based on how well I've seen him play. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for my victory lap when I won, but yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think yeah, I think take your victory lap on that. Right, for sure. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I don't know if anyone actually argued with you. I think we were like, oh, seems like Ray fucking. Well, no, it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> necessarily your guys. Like I felt like I got this. The same thing I was saying to you guys. I was saying to people that was just talking to me like, yo, like I think like, he's gonna be good here. Like he's yeah. he, he is he what you guys. Like every everything you loved about Marcus, I was just like, you gotta love with Derek White too. Like, yeah, he's not the same personality, but he's gonna play hard. Once again, he just made second team all defense. He's gonna make good decisions. Like, and he shows up. He's there. He plays. Do you uh, think that he's the kind of player though that like now that he's because I have this hunch that now that he's gonna be tasked with essentially being the number one guy in the backcourt, well, we do don't know that he's yet. the kind of player that will be very good for him. I think that like. I think that we saw him drop off in the playoffs last year when like a little bit of faith was taken away from his minutes. You know, like I, he played minutes, but not as important minutes as I wanted him to play. And this was an ongoing argument with us. And I think that that contributed to his shot not falling as much. And, and I just want to know if you think it's going to help that it's like, all right, Derek, you're our fucking guy. Yeah, no, I, I think it does. I think that, you know, we, you, you, you've alluded to it. Bobby's alluded to it about him being a confidence uh, player. And, you know, most players are, especially when you're a role player, because you don't know if you're going to get sure. many shots and, you know, when you're going to play and not play. So, yeah, like, he had a big jump off from the Atlanta series on to Philly and then eventually with with uh, with uh Miami. But, you know, to answer your original question about, you know, what they're doing uh, with having more of a front court focus, it's it's it's, a, it's about damn time, bro. Like, shout out to Lizzo. It's, it's, a, it's about damn time. Like, in a minute, I'm going to need a... Yeah, exactly. In, in, a, minute, in a minute, I'm going to need KP to drop five or six threes. But, like, that, that that's where... I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm hype about this shit. Like, I'm, I, and once again, I could, the same people that were crying about this, and I know this is not what you asked, but I just have to get this out there. Sure. It, um, Go off, son. Um, the, pe- the people that were, that were crying about Marcus needing to go and needing a shakeup are the same motherfuckers that was like, 
I can't believe you're trading for this. Because you feed the heart and fucking soul. Give me a fucking break, bro. Like, so true, give me a break. It's so true. 30, 38%, 38% from Preach. the field. From the field. Not from three. From the field. 32% from three. The guy you traded for, once again, you got the return. Once again, basketball wise, we're not talking about the emotion. You got two first round picks. And one second for Marcus Smart for, for, for a role player. You got two first. Like, that's a fucking fleece. That's a fleece. They, they, they got 100 week bamboos with a stray, whatever word you want to use. Brad Stevens fleeced the Washington Wizards. And, and it was like that. That was a beautiful, beautiful deal on, on paper. Once again, we have to see it. In, Absolutely in, true. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but needless to say, that's not debatable. So, if anyone's well, like, oh, no, or, just, if anyone's on the fucking internet. My, yeah. my brother, it, it has been debatable because it's people not. have on Twitter. It's and, really not. Crying though. and bitching and moaning about how, you know, how, how could they? And I, and well, but there's it, a difference, I'm, right, Ray? Like, I feel like if somebody was to say, okay, I want, you know, and I'm not saying this, I don't think this, but, I, you know, oh, but like Marcus, like we're trading away toughness and we're, you know, we're not getting a lot of toughness in return and like that stuff. That's, I think, a valid point. I, it remains to be seen, but I think it's a valid point. I don't think yeah. that you can make the argument that we that we didn't handily win the asset battle on paper. I don't think I don't think anyone's well, anyone reasonable well, basketball it, it, person is making that point. I think the last week or so. Um, I think we're why who Skip Bayless? That guy so, makes dumb fucking takes for a living. That's what he does. He picks the he, he figures out the wrong the right take, and then he says the opposite of it. That's why his do you fucking think, job. Why do you think he he supports the Cowboys so much? Um, so, <laughs> poor Bobby. I know. Yeah, you just got. I thought gotta Shannon Sharp him. was going to catch a fuck case with that dude. So I'm glad he left that show. To be honest but with so, you, I think he was going to come across the table at some point soon. So, I think there's two aspects as to why Boston fans reacted the way they did. The first was that the trade was agreed upon and going to happen for Malcolm Brogdon at first. You know what I mean? So that would so have been an fact, even bigger fleece, to be honest. Right, exactly. And and the fact that it went from Malcolm Brogdon, who's been here for one year, great year, great year, there's no emotional attachment at all, to Marcus Smart, who has the most emotional attachment to Celtics fans literally on this team, probably since KG and Pierce have been here, or maybe since IT have been here. Probably IT, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's such a big difference where, you know, when I first heard about the trade, I 100% looked at it was like, that's a great trade for us. Immediately went basketball wise. I, I was, I was, a, I was 2% more pumped when it was Brogdon. I will say that. But as soon as the emotional part set in, it definitely, you know, hit a little harder where I was like, oh man, it's Marcus. So, you know what I mean? Like you, at first my basketball mind was like, I love it. The pick and rolls, I said this, you guys, the pick and rolls between JT and Kristaps are going to Oh, yeah, be, we're going to magically start bro, running a pick we, and roll with Jason Tatum because, like, we've literally never once done that ever. But I guess we're just going to start doing that. I, like, I don't see it. I, I, they better. I think we'll see more high-low action. With, high, high lows, yeah, for sure, for sure. Jason Tatum is going to pick and roll in this game. I've been begging for it for five fucking it's years. Just, it, it, just, it just feels like it's set up to... A Kristaps JT pick and roll would literally be impossible to stop. You know, not you do got it. two guys, but you got two guys that have a wingspan over seven feet, two guys that can pick and pop, two guys that can drive the hole, two guys that can shoot the three. Like they are meant together to to run a deadly pick and roll. That's what they're me meant and, to do together. 
and that's immediately where my head went but But, of course the emotion side comes in after that and it's like but 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 that's where i feel like the negativity of marcus's game kind of outweighs that because the efficiency rate of of this team now should go up tenfold to where it was before you know the the, the efficient basketball should, should be should be crazy at this point compared to what it was or what we saw with marcus running the offense it should be it should be night and day at, at an efficiency standpoint. Right. So let, let me make it even more, more plain, right? Even more simple. There was never a game in Marcus Mark's career, whether he came off the bench or, you know, he started. They, you never came into, and I'm talking about offensively, not defensively, on, on offense saying, we got a game plan to stop Marcus Smart. Ever. And if you say otherwise, you're, you're, you're lying. And I, I will take anyone's basketball card that will say that to me because you're, 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 you're lying with a straight face. There was never a time that you said we got we got to stop thirty six. No, I I actually think you literally no, would make it make it go to the make third option. Play. Make, make, right. it, make it go to the third option. Make, make, make Marcus Smart beat us, and if he beats us, then great. You know, you live with that. Yeah, exactly. I think that was so the plan. That, that that would not be the case with with Christos Porzingis. Um, once again, when he, he plays, we're really skirting this plays. fucking issue here. Hey, what, what, once again, I say say what you will. Before the injury, he started the first first year with seventy two games. Next year after that was 65. You know, then, you know, I know he had, he had the injury in 2018, 2019. He didn't play. So then he comes back. Once again, I think the, the blessing in disguise that he had young, right? He, he, had, he had a young, he was 23, 24 when it happened. Last year, I mean, two years ago, 58 games. This year, 65. Yeah, but sure. But you know you worry about seven foot three guys. Like, you just know you do. You got to remember yes. what the Knicks got for Chris Dobbs, though. It's, you know, when it's, when it's, they it's, traded him, and they got, what, four it's, it's, first it's, round it's, picks? It's getting blown out of proportion, though, because... We we said the same shit with Brock, and I know Brock ended up getting hurt and 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 um. In well, not a proportion, but it's like we already have a very injury prone front court. Like I, I just think I think sure. that if you if you if you add the context of Rob Williams, like if we were to trade Rob Williams now, I'd be one hundred percent fine with that because I don't think you can rely on both those guys. Like that's just taking too much of a risk. There's a chance that you're in a playoff situation where Rob Williams and Chris Hasperzingers are both hurt. There's and like I know there's a chance of people being hurt all the time, but it's like like a guy our, our longest guy. Being injured is something I don't want to keep going through, right? So my worry is, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, obviously, there's not a way to. No, there's like, nothing you can do. I get it. I understand. Not, you're not, not, not going to not make the trade. You're not going to not make the trade based yeah. on that. I, I just I think that you know, you you find a way to manage. I mean, once again, I think if you get sixty, if you get between fifty-five to sixty-five games from him, I meaning for Porzingis, like that's that's huge. And was yeah, I, we don't. You don't need him to play all eighty-two. Don't want him to play all eighty-two, right? So I think it would it would be it would be awesome to see him play right at 60, 62 game mark. Don't have him play on back to backs, and you know just just kind of kind of go from there. But like I say, you you have to game plan for him because if you don't, what's again? Kill you. Wait, 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 wait. Just just wait till and I, matter of fact, I I can I, I sent the highlights to y'all in our in our group chat. You you seen you seen Gabe Vincent, who's about all of our height, trying to guard him, and he looked at him like, "Are you for real?" My, my man just <laughs> raised up, <laughs> and 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 you were the paying us the Chris Austin for three. Like I'm I'm telling you, it's it's going to be open season. <laughs> but and once again, I think I think Tatum Brown, whoever's around, is, is going to flourish a lot more because they have much more space. That's the goal. Brad Stevens said it in in his presser, and you know, and we and we should have we should have known. We should have known when I think what was the first that backcourt did look clogged as fuck. Like it really, no, it, just, no, it, no, it was for no sure. Like, he, it was first, so bad. June first when he had the when he had the press conference. I'm not gonna lie, 
I was pissed with what he said. I was like, hey, man, like, we're going to act like nothing needs to fucking change, Brad? Like, don't Yeah, do but this. that's the thing you got to say, right? Sure, but I, I, I wanted, I wanted, what he ended up doing, I was, I was like, okay, cool, Brad. And I was like. Because it's obviously get, not what he thought. Yeah I, yeah, I was getting a little worried that he was going to be, you know, complacent. But listen, was, I've gone on him as a coach. You know, remember, you know, everyone knows, you know, we call him Horseshoes. 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 I love what he's been able to do as a GM. I completely trust that he's going to find someone here in a few weeks that's going to be able to add, you know, to the team as a wing or as someone in the backcourt or in another big. Like, I fully trust that he's going to get someone in here that that's going to highlight what the Jays can do, what Derek White can do, you know, so on and so forth. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, how, the, how the team unfolds the next few weeks. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, it's no secret that I've been waiting for a guy of, of Porzingis' size for all this. I was so happy for you. <laughs> Yes. Uh, no, honestly, I, I thought I'm of you immediately, thrilled. honestly. I'm fucking thrilled. I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to lead this show and be as like rational as I possibly can be, but like <laughs> like what I immediately started doing when it happened was like tempering my own expectations. Like I started being like like in the group chat, like the the trade dropped and obviously we were all in the group chat right away and it was like, "Okay, what do we do? What do we do?" And I was like, well, "What about his injuries?" And you guys were like, "Well, it's actually not that bad if you average it out over the thing." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, he's so tall." And I just like, this is the thing I've been begging for, for, for so many reasons, but not least of which, that Tatum isn't a traditional frontcourt player in, in the sense that, like, his, his uh, length is really helpful for shot creation and has been since his rookie year. Like, he's been able to rise up over anybody, and, I, and that's great. And I think that, like, he's hard to deal with for, for those type of reasons, but I think his length has sort of let him down in certain ways, like, you know, dribbling into traffic, et cetera, et cetera. These are conversations we've had a million times. Porzingis has that length thing where it's like you can create like what was happening to us so much in this last playoffs is how many mismatches teams were able to get on us like just constant constant mismatches and it was the opposite of what I'm talking about right now like there's a lot of guards switching on to Al etc cetera, etc cetera, right but we didn't have an answer there was nobody to go to the bench and like switch off because they could have done the same thing to Rob Williams you pull, pull Rob Williams out to the perimeter he's getting fucking cooked by anybody with with length right. Porzingis has that kind of length of where he doesn't actually, and I've seen him play this exact game, and this is exactly what I've been asking for of this team for so long. As a defender, and I'm not saying you're getting Porzingis for his defensive qualities, like I'm not making this like, you know, that, but insert him into this culture. As a defender, he doesn't need to keep up with you. Like you can blow by him as a guard, and he honestly is still with you just because of his length, right? So you can't create, you can't create mismatches like that. Also, we're just going to go down the other end of the floor and kill you with that same mismatch, right? You want to switch your guard onto Chris Porzingis? Let's, do, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Joe Mazzula can figure this out. Maybe he can't, but that's neither here nor there. In, in a perfect world, in a Willy Wonka lottery world, we go, cool. I guess that's the matchup. We, swi- we have them switch onto fucking Porzingis and he just murders guys in the post, right? Murders mm-hmm. guys on the perimeter because of his height. He can shoot the three ball. Like he has all these fucking things, all these things that I've been begging for. The, the thing that I like the most about it is the thing that Bobby's saying. I'm just worried that, we're not actually going to do it. I've been waiting. I've been asking for Jason Tatum to be the fucking pick and roll guy as the fucking roller for three years now, right? I'm like, he's so long. He's so long. Like, do it with the guards. We got like four guards that can run that so well and he could just roll to the basket. We never do it, right? If he could do it as the as the guy, right? As the ball handler and Chris Tasperzingas can be the roller, I'm not even asking for like a full traditional pick and roll, right? Like your high, your high low point is exactly what I'm talking about because you don't even really Same need thing. to set the screen. Yep. Just yep. go, just go in the like create like a narrow the lane. We used to do it all the time with like Al Horford and It, right? With, with it was it's like narrow the and this is an even better example of it. Narrow the lane, 
Get the height mismatch. Get the length mismatch. Switch the two guys, even if they're comparable. Switch the two guys just for the switch. And all you need to do is have Jason Tatum get a step because then he can make the, the, the decision, dunk on the guy, or just fucking, you know, lay it up to Chris Hasperzingis. In my head, it's it's so pretty to think well, about. E- even then, it, it, it pulls off the... Or you the, can pick and pop, too. The, oh, right, the pop, right. man. Yeah, the pops, yeah, yeah, yeah. The pops is there shoot. at that yeah. point, right? Yeah. So, yeah, he, can, he doesn't even have to roll in. Like, they're not yeah. really that physical of players, so if it's, like, clogged underneath. But the thing that I really, really like about this signing is that whatever happened against Miami... And you can go to sleep at night fucking deluding yourselves. But if you watch the NBA Finals, whatever happened against Miami, we were losing to the fucking Denver Nuggets. There is a zero fucking percent chance that Celtics were beating I Denver. said this last show, man. I said this last show. No fucking way, right? Mm. Now, mm. I'm not saying that he's going to do anything to Jokic. I'm not saying that he's going to, like, silence him or, or whatever. But at least there's some he, length at that he position. He, dude, I mean, he does pretty good against Joel Embiid. Joel, Joel's got him a couple times, but like Joel Embiid, guys like him, guys like uh, uh, Giannis, every team that's in contention has a guy that's that fucking long, you know. But so I'll, so I, I think I, I shared it in the group chat. But watch, watch, watch his highlights against the Bucks this year. I, I only care about three teams. So the Bucks yeah. might be Philadelphia, like anyone else, yeah. whatever. Like, sure. So. And I Philadelphia's, mean, just, eh. yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying because Embiid. I'm saying like, of course, you know, of course, of course, so, of course. So, um, Embiid basically sagged off, and I'm like, "Oh, you disrespect? You, you're gonna you're gonna sag off a pr- great?" And he killed him, man. You know, it was he was like he was just whoop. Chris Paul seconds for three, whoop. Like he and he he could he didn't have this when when he when he first got to the league. That little fadeaway, like he, I think he got it from Dirk or whatever. That little fadeaway he had off the glass. That's just damn near automatic. So once again, scoring. For I wish you would. I know exactly the shot you're talking about, and I yeah. I hope that he gets to that spot a little bit more because I've watched games every, of him every, doing every that. Time, every time. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Because I, I, like, I, I really do agree with you about that exact shot and it is my favorite shot of his, but yeah, I feel like awesome. he stops going there. And that's my one word. Well, because he, he shoots a three so well. So it's like, right. that's where he happens, but it's just like, but man, like Embiid was um, doing that to us this playoffs, right? He was getting right. that, that elbow and just fucking murdering us because Rob Williams was just like getting, getting put yeah. on skates every time. So if we can do that to teams, like, let's go. But that, but that's that's I think this this is the the exact trio that spoke about it. We we have lamented mainly me because I I'm I'm so big on it. Score from every level. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. this 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 is what this trade does. You're yeah. able to score from every level. And I, I want to go back to the point you made a few moments ago about the the, the defense. I actually think that's going to be the biggest help. I really do. And the reason why I say because well, we don't have that defensive quality in this team. Well, it, it's 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 that, but also. Him as a not even the guy that's going to be the primary defender, but the same thing that Rob's doing, right? Playing that center field, yeah. Him being the help defender when someone gets by Tatum or whoever gets by Brown or whatever, and he's there to erase it. Like I, I watched the highlights he had in Dallas. I watched some highlights he had last year. Excuse me, I watched it. Like when other people have gotten by his teammates, he's there and he's not swinging it out of bounds. He's catching it like the old Bill Russell play, catching it. And then it's it's going up the up the court. So that one pass to Kuz down the baseline, bro. That, yeah, that, that's that's, that's played be, on all the highlights. Yeah, that, that's that's going to be going to be huge. And, speaking of which, they're not keeping Kuzma. I mean, they're tanking next year, right? Like that's yeah. Kuzma, I mean, no, yeah, he he wants he wants. He already opted out, but yeah, but that's why that's why they 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 gave us this trade, right? Like they're yeah yeah for sure. It's it, like it's not a three team deal, or it's a three team deal. So it's like you don't get Marcus Smart back, and you're just like worried about it. You're just like they're basically like it's a fire sale. So like we benefited essentially. I think 
Why would they this, not tank at this you, point? I mean, this trade, it just, we, when, when you boil it down, man, it adds. So we, we've gone over the last 20 minutes of all these basketball elements that it adds to our team. Haven't and even like, talked about Rob Williams and him as the double right, the, the negative, the Wait. only negative it takes away is this heart and toughness and the intangibles and things like that. To me, those things can be cultivated. Like, I know it's really hard, but those things can be coached and they can be brought up and you can instill a mindset in a team. But when it comes to actual skill and basketball prowess, those things can't necessarily be taught. And I just feel like the positives of giving up Marcus and bringing Chris in here outweigh that, that heart and those intangibles tenfold to me. I, I just feel like with the right culture, and I feel like the coaching staff that we brought in here can, can really help with that. Can I ask you a question on that note? Can I ask you one question yeah. on that note? Yeah. Do you think that, and this is like wildly theoretical, but do you think that there was a world where, first of all, I'll say this, like just as a, as a, as a precedent, we're done with the like, I know we were kind of already like this, but we're done with the like, they're so young, da 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 da. Like, it's now like, no, that, Jason, that era is Jason, over. Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown are now the leaders of this team 100%, and it's 100% on them. To, and mm-hmm. in fact, it's Jason Tatum, if we're being honest. It's him. It's JT. And yeah, he needs to be the fucking leader of this team. He needs to be the best player. And like, all responsibility is now on his shoulders. I wonder if, and my question to you is to either of you, wildly speculative, but. Is Marcus Smart the kind of guy that makes it hard for Jason Tatum to like step up and become the leader because of the situation that timing wise that they had? Jason likes him. He respects him. He defers to him, maybe. And now this as a positive, maybe, and I'm blue sky in it here, but maybe this this is the finally the thing that had to happen for Jason to step up and say, okay, this is my team now. Like this is my team and you need to like fucking listen to what I say. Yeah. And I, I just wonder if that's a positive possibly from Marcus leaving as much as his leadership was great. There could have been a too many cooks in the leadership kitchen situation. So uh, I've, I've made this analogy before and I, I bring it back to corporate America, whenever it comes to like leadership qualities and whenever it comes to like, you know, teamwork and, and team building. And yes, a hundred percent. Cause I know everyone out there has been in a position where you feel like you could be a leader of a team. You could step up and you could be that guy. But there's that person that's kind of above you, kind of has more say and, and has more uh, emotion and, and more following within the team. So you don't want to step on that person's toes. So you always feel like you need to go through them. You need to run it by them. You know, you, you Marcus was here. He was established. Right, exactly. He's yeah. the guy. Right. Exactly. So you can't necessarily step as Tenure. soon as that person leaves. And here's the thing. Yeah. Listen, when it comes to a, 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 a mob mentality, right? When, when someone leaves that's the leader, everyone is looking for someone else to lead. When, when, when it's in that kind of situation, everyone is always trying to find, like, okay, that person is gone. Who are we going to next that's going to set this tone, that's going to make those big decisions? And if anyone's going to step up, and if there's ever a time in Tatum's career for him to step up, this is it, man. And if, if it doesn't come now, that's when we start to question things. And that's when we really start to point the fingers at Jason Tatum. Because yeah. at that point, you know what I mean? That there is no more excuses. I JT. think the safety net's gone. This, this is yeah, this this is your team, bro. It, it and it, it is now officially Jason Tatum's squad. So if they're still weak down the stretch, if there's still no heart when it comes to these game sevens and they get blown up by 14 points, 15 points, whatever the case may be, 
There's only one person we're pointing the finger at. Well, two. Joe Joe Mazzula is always going to be the first person if this happens again. But the second Well, he doesn't have any excuses anymore either. He's going to be JT. Right. right. So yeah, that, exactly. That's, that's true. Ray, who who are our top three players now? In order. It, I mean, it's Tatum, Brown, Porzingis. You think Brown is still two? Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, once again, I, was I mad? And like everyone else was mad about the Miami State, but sure. The man still got 27 tonight. <laughs> like, he, yeah. he, you're still, like, once again, that, now, now that, my, that you know, the, the anger cloud is gone, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, he, he, he definitely is still the number two uh, guy. So, yeah, Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, like that. That's so, in- so, essentially, what we're saying is we've massively upgraded our number three best guy. Yes. yes. That, that's essentially the moment. 100%. Right, correct. We had a big three. Now we have a fucking gigantic three is is what is is what the conclusion we come to. Lastly, with the last couple minutes we have left, I would love to talk about potential uh, shakeups that are still in the pipeline for this Boston Celtics team. I don't have any real hard scoops here. There's no woe bombs like uh, pending. It looks like we're going to re-sign Jalen Brown. It's that seems like a foregone conclusion. I'm glad there's no bullshit trade rumors about him. We're either going to do it or we're not. So let's just, you know, get him locked in. And like, let's let's run this shit back with those top two guys. Plus Chris Stapps. Ideally, what would you guys like to see happen? Is it a is it a deep bench issue? I know everybody wants to see Pritchard traded now. Maybe not Bobby, but everybody probably wants to see Pritchard traded now at this point. Because he opened his big fucking mouth at the tail end of the season about how he didn't have enough minutes, and I wanted to slap his little face off. But I, I, I'd love to know what you guys conceptually think about the remainder of this team because there's. I know we say this every year now, it seems like, but it seems you can't ask Al Horford to be that guy again this season. And I think it's good that we got Chris Stapps for you know for a little front court relief. There's still the hanging Rob Williams question. I, w- I mean, in an ideal world, I would love to see that double big lineup with him and, and KP. Like it, the idea of a Derek White. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Chris Epps, Porzingis, Rob Williams, five is the longest fucking team I've ever conceived in my head. Yeah, that's wild. They're insanely wild. long in, the, yeah. in that five. But, it, you know, can Rob Williams put a full season together? Is that a realistic idea? So conceptually, Ray, like, have you thought about this at all? Is, it, is, is there something else you think we need to do to win a fucking championship at this point? Or you, you like what we got? So, well, no, def- definitely like what they have currently. I do think two players that I thought about was Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr., Oh, and, I love Hardaway Jr. And then, and then, uh, is Tory he Tim Green. Hardaway Jr.? Is he Tim Hardaway's kid? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. He, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Like 1990s guard. Yeah, Miami Heat. Miami Heat. He, 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 he doesn't have the crossover that that dad had, but that was a beast, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for sure, Hall of Famer too. Junior Junior was great at Michigan, though. He hasn't been amazing since, but he's been. Yeah, really, I mean, he he's he's been. What's he getting? Like start starting his role. Like he's not gonna be someone else. He's not gonna be an all star yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you need if you need ten to twelve, you know, points and he can give you fifteen to twenty minutes a night, like that, that's what he is now. So him and uh Tory Craig. Tory Craig uh, who was in Phoenix, he also played in Denver during during his career. I just another guy that gets versatility at the wing, and I feel like that that would be huge. I would love to see Blake Griffin come back. I I'll take he, Blake back for like, sure. He was phenomenal uh last, last season. So but back to the Tim Hardaway thing, I do I do think that if because Dallas is looking for another wing, I I would I would talk to him. once again they could renounce Grant's rights and just let him walk and be a free agent. I, I do think he he actually talked a little bit about it today during the event today we're at. I do think that if you know they Brad and whoever sits down with him and says, Hey, would you like to go to Dallas or would you like to go to Orlando, or whatever? 
but I would I would hope that he would save Dallas so we can get Tim Hardaway back in that deal because they'd probably make around the same money in in, in a sign of trade. You probably give Grant what Doug McDermott got a few years ago, which was like three years and forty two mil, which is not crazy. It just didn't say his NBA. Kind of crazy. Um, kind of crazy for Grant, but I've I've been hearing four forty four. What's in the year about? You got think though for for a role player now, like that's not. Yeah, what role does he play? Start, start, like, that's what it is. Like, Mark, Mark, in Dallas, in Dallas, he'd be valuable. He'd be more yeah, valuable. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, and I just feel like they're they're trying to retool some more defenders around Luca, whatever. So fine, whatever. Exactly. Like, if they if they want to take that, cool. Like, not a problem. But I just think that that's what it would take in order for that to uh, to happen. So yeah, get you know find a way to get Tim Hardaway, or maybe if you go to Orlando, and they they need to get they, they're guard heavy now too. So whether it's Cole Anthony, uh, Jalen Suggs. How how wild would it be if we got Markel Fultz <laughs> after all that happened? That full would be, circle. <laughs> so I mean, I I just think those those are those are a few things that come to mind. But I do think get some wings. I want I definitely want to bring Blake Griffin back. I think that he he definitely was a fan favorite, and once again he he played his role to perfection uh, last year. So I think that you know he's extra insurance there. I know they got rid of Muscala, so I I think that that would be phenomenal. I know Cornet Cornet's still there, but. I just think, yeah, having Blake that would be that that to me should be one of the one of the priorities after getting uh, someone deaf. Bobby, you got a wish list? Yeah. So my first one is I, I don't know if it's a pipe dream. He just declined his option. Uh, he just won an NBA championship, and I think it'd be great to bring him to town. Someone with that championship caliber, and that's Bruce Brown from Denver. I, I feel oh, like oh, he he, he he's exactly what we're looking for, man. He he brings that heart, he brings that grit, he brings that toughness and he can shoot. You know, it, we need a spot shooter on this team and, and Bruce Brown brings that. I know Jokic brought out the best in him that it's by far the best season he's had in his career this past year. And I get that. And I know Jokic isn't here in Boston, but I feel yeah, he like was kind of Brooklyn though. He was good. He wasn't. He wasn't what he was this year, though. He didn't have the impact that he had this yes. year. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. And the other one, I, I know, might be too soon for you Celtics fans to bring someone in here like this who has this kind of intangible quality, who may not be the best basketball player, but brings the heart and the grit that everyone's looking for. That's Pat Bev. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have hated Pat Bev in Boston. He's. He's talked about Boston. Might as well want. Might as well get Dylan Brooks. He, he, loved, he loves the brand. He, he loves it he here, loves man. And I feel like he would feed into this crowd so much. And I feel like Boston would fall in love with Pat Bev really quick. Listen, I know it's a rebound, and I know Celtics fans, you're not ready for that. Okay, you went out to the bar, two a.m. The same. The girl that looks exactly like your ex walks up, and you're like, "Oh man, I don't know if I'm ready for this kind of one night stand yet." he knows old though. Yeah, you got to rebound quick. Well, and I, I feel like well, if there's if yeah. there's someone that can fill a, a Marcus Smart role like that and, and not uh, clog up as much of the basketball uh, quality like Smart kind of did at times, and it's Pat Bev, man. And, and the other pipe dream for me, it's already rumored that he's going to be bought out. Bring Gallinari back, bro. Bring bring me some Danilo back. Well, and, I don't I don't I don't think that can happen. I don't think we can get him back. Is that not allowed? Are we not allowed to do that? Because that that's that's what happened last Somebody year. Somebody else has to buy him out. I think first. Yeah. Right? No. Washington's going to buy him out. That's the rumor. Oh, I'm, Washington's I mean, I mean, buying him out. Maybe, so if yeah. we can get Danilo back, bro, if he wants to come back, I I, I welcome him back with open arms. Because again, that's exactly the type of guy we need coming off the bench. And you know, I, I don't think you can ever have enough 
stretch three fours who can shoot the three. So if we can get him or someone like him back, that'd be awesome. But those first two are my first two big wish list items, man. It it it, it just completely. There's a guy that we're missing. I'm I'm gonna see if DK brings him up now. I'll bring Go him ahead. up. Go ahead. All right, but... I'll tell you my list, and it a couple of them might seem unlikely, but essentially what I'm looking for is is my two big wish list things are a replacement for Grant Williams, which you, you know I should get. I fucking hate Grant Williams tattooed on my fucking forehead. I, I get, and I think there's a lot of options for that. And then maybe I have one guy that I think would be a perfect uh, Jalen Brown support system. So hear me out on these. Okay. First, Nick Richards from the Hornets. I don't know if you guys know him at all. He's basically Grant Williams if he was 245 pounds and actually fucking tall. He, he can rebound the basketball. I think we, I, he's not the best scorer in the world, but I don't think we really need him for that. I think he's great front court cover. I think he's, I think he's an option because I think his rookie contract is about to expire. He played for Kentucky uh, or Duke. Are you, talking, are you talking about Nick Richards or P.J. Washington? Nick Richards. Nick Richards, okay. Nick Richards. So okay. either either Duke or Kentucky, one of the big one of the big fucking basketball teams. Probably, I think I'm thinking, one of the blue bloods. One of the yeah, blue I'm thinking bloods. Kentucky because he's enormous, but uh, but I think he's really good. Um, is he white? No, no, he's black. No, he was Kentucky. He was Kentucky. He was Kentucky. He's seven feet tall. He's seven feet tall. He's essentially a pure center. Yeah, facts, facts. You're not, not no, not no. I didn't want to go there, but that's, I, I actually did have the thought. I was like, no, no. Yeah, was, I'm like, no, it's fair. It's valid. Yeah. Um, I think you could actually oh, no. trade, if you look at his contract, you could actually trade Peyton Pritchard for him straight up because they're on a very similar contract because I think they were in a similar draft class, if not the same draft class. Five million a season, uh, non guaranteed in twenty five, twenty six. You just, I think he's perfect. I think he's got size. I think you can take a punt on him for that kind of price. Anybody that's two hundred forty five pounds and seven feet tall is coming to open tryouts in the DK sizzle land of fucking uh, the Celtics of Celtics basketball. And I am very happy we got Kristaps, but I, I think we all know he's not traditionally like a, a traditional seven footer in the way that I, I truly want. Cody Martin. Anybody, uh, anybody like have any interest in Cody Martin? I think. I think he brings wing cover like you were talking about, Ray. I think he he brings I, – I wouldn't say he's like an elite scorer, but like the seven points a game that Grant Williams is going to fucking take away from our team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like I think that's like completely fair. Again, cheap. Again, young. If, you, if you're detecting a theme here, it's like let's go get a, like a fresh young core to support the guys that we now already have is my ideal. And I think there's a lot of guys on expiring contracts, rookie contracts that, that are, are good for that. Heavy punt and very unlikely would not mind Jared Vanderbilt would not, would not mind Jared Vanderbilt. I know he's a Laker. Hey, he was pretty solid in the playoffs, man. Pretty solid in the playoffs. We talked about him at the trade deadline. I I, I, I want to find a way to get That's what put it in my head. That's what yeah. put it in my head, oh. and it's I've, it, it's been hard for me to get it out. Another Kentucky guy, also black. <laughs> he, I think again, he brings like he brings that like eight to nine points off the bench that that Grant maybe had on a really good day, but he can also rebound the basketball. I think he averages like six to eight rebounds a game. Um, he passes too. Yeah, uh, he he can pass the ball. He can steal. He's I think he's very versatile, and I think that like he would make a lot of different people happy, a lot of different camps, and I think he can bring that in. Number one on my wish list. Well, the next two are tied for one on my wish list. This guy, I think, would be such a fucking perfect cover for Jalen Brown when Jalen Brown hits a shooting slump, when he needs some minutes. I, I think this is a legitimate playoff guy. I think, again, it might be a little pie in the sky, but Sadiq Bey. Oh, I love Sadiq, bro. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, 
again, me and Ray, me and Ray have been Sadiqay guys since he came out, bro. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm. Listen, you you don't have to sell me on Sadiqay. Yeah. It's just yeah, not gonna happen. Right? Right? I, I, we're, we're it's not gonna fucking bro. happen. That's the problem. Yeah, in 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 yeah in in a. In, he in, looked in, great in for Atlanta in the playoffs. I I think yeah. I I think like he has. He has that like pure. He's a Terrence Fulton type player. Yes. Yes. What's what's crazy about Sadiq Bay too is, uh, I've I've never seen someone be able to randomly go off for fifty in a night like Sadiq Bay can. He can he averages ten, twelve a game, but randomly he'll just drop thirty to forty points uh, on any given night. Just just like remember Corey Brewer. Same, yeah, same. yeah, yeah, same thing. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yep. And I think, I, he's like a pure small forward too. Like we have a lot of guys that are like he could play the two, he could play the three, he could play the four. It's like you just put him in the three, let him do his fucking thing, you know. And I and I think that like I think Jalen Brown would be the player that benefited the most from a Sadiq Bay signing. And also he's fucking cheap. He's fucking cheap, dude. Right. His contract's not crazy. Lastly, but not yep. leastly, I think this is probably my number one choice if I could pick anybody because I think that we could really rehabilitate this guy's career. Not saying that he really needs a huge rehabilitation, but I think we can actually do that here. I think he'd be perfect. Again, like a Grant Williams replacement, we could get him with the with with the Grant Williams money or the Peyton Pritchard contract, and that's Jalen Smith. I think that he would be. Yeah, yeah. he well, dropped it, off a little bit when he got traded to the Pacers. I, I I think, or well, I don't even know if he had played any games before he got traded to the Pacers. But he is another guy that can give us five to eight rebounds a game. A couple steals, maybe here and there, like little intangible things. Maybe, maybe drop fourteen on average on a team like ours. You know, depending on the amount of minutes that he gets. Yeah. Uh, it's it's further wing cover, like we said, we need it. <clears throat> and and yeah, I think those guys are are all realistic targets, with maybe the exception of Vanderbilt. And I think, or maybe City Bay might be a little outside of our reach too. But yeah, I think that these are all guys. This is a list of guys that you could actually conceivably get with a Peyton Pritchard plus a pick or a Peyton Pritchard plus a sign and trade of Grant Williams or or something to, to or a three team with a package or whatever. These are yeah. all guys that could come in and have an instant impact on this team, but also could be a lot better come May than they are when we sign them. So I right. think that like I, I think that it's one or two of these guys is worth taking a punt. I don't see us making any sort of insane uh, deals. To, to bring in like a, you know, like a Brandon Ingram or something. Like, I don't think we're going to get anybody like, I don't think we're going to get another top 20 player. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think with our core right now, what we need is to, for Grant Williams to leave uh, immediately on the next plane out of Logan and for us to get some cover in those positions. And, and again, I mean, guys like Blake and, and re-signing guys like that. I I'm disappointed that that Moose is gone. Cause I think he was perfect for that position, but it, it's, it's yeah, cool. Yeah. I think these are all guys that we could bet in and get good right away. And I think that they would be, they're all guys that would be better for playing around the guys that we already have. So that's yeah. my wish list. But who, did, who, did, who were you going to say the that? I didn't final guy, um, he, he literally just opted out today. The Di, Di Vincenzo. Ooh, I didn't know he I was like an Di option. Vincenzo. Yeah. yeah he, just you know, opted he, he opted out. Cause it was like, he, he was making, he resigned he him. Oh, I would take him in a heartbeat. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's the, that's the only one championship, you know, can, you know, to shoot, he, he, he'll provide separates as well. I think he'd be perfect as a as another guard. He can the pass ball. the ball too. Right, exactly. So I just think, but I mean, they they would look at his shooting more than than his passing. So I, I think that would be a guy that. Do you guys fucking love naming like all time great college players to come to the Celtics? We do. <laughs> it's like we're, your we're big on the all time great college guys. Like I named I... a couple Wildcats, but not like he won yeah. Final Four player of the tournament. Like it's like those are always your guys. It's so funny. Can I uh, can I can I name one more guy that I don't even know if it's realistic. When it comes to salary wise, because I know what he just declined, 
Draymond's not an option to come to Boston, right? That's that's not something that's even I mean, remotely possible he's, he's at this looking, point, right? He's looking for something three years, one hundred. Now, if if you were to say they're gonna put, afford that, uh, if they were gonna do Brogdon, because so okay, so what happens? That, and I, I I forgot what y'all heard it all, but how it works. So so say say if they resign Draymond for three for one hundred, right? Because it, it, that deal is gonna happen after July first there's a higher percentage of the money that you have to match. So like, yeah. I, and I, I'm maybe saying it wrong, but I know that that's the gist of it. So basically you probably could have got like Brogdon for green, like right now, if that was the case, because it would have, it would have matched up a little more. Uh, uh, with, July one now, now, now it, it probably would have take, it would probably take Brogdon, Pritchard, maybe even a sign and trade with Grant and probably a first round. For for um, for Draymond, and you said you said you would do it. You said I said we don't need to do all that. Or like yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, I'm yeah. saying that that's I think that's what they would that's what they would they would look for. So yeah, no, I also I, think he's trying to get a bag. Like I think he's trying to get that contract. I don't think he's trying to like. Yeah, I mean, as he should. He, he's he's he's, he's, he's going to go to like ships. the Pistons. He's got his rings. Yeah, he's oh, going to no, go to the what, Pistons. You can afford him. He's from Detroit. The Kings. The Kings. I heard is another sure. team. Yeah. Blazers. Once so they traded pool though, like they they made their decision. They would say, look. Wink, wink. We're gonna bring you back. We're gonna give you whatever you're looking for. So that that's what that was. There, it, it'd be a last deal. He'll, also, he'll... like Draymond Green punching fucking Jordan Poole, it's like knocked him the fuck out. Yeah, well, it was a little bit of a sucker punch, but sure, you got to protect yourself at all times. But I think, you know, like we're talking about Marcus Smart being like too much of a leader for Jason Tatum to step up. You think Draymond Green's gonna come in there and like, really a, do the fucking chemistry a favor? Step. Like he's gonna <laughs> he, be the shit out of Jason, like, Jason Tatum. Wait, he's like, he loves he loves Tatum though. He does. He's Tatum. He does. I mean, honestly, like a straight swap Draymond Green for Grant Williams would be fucking perfect. I would love that. But I think that Draymond Green is a great player. I think he's like obviously got a ton of leadership intangibles, but like you're right. overpaying for him right now because of his pedigree yeah, in the championship. I just don't think that's a good idea for where we are for our team right now. It'd be great and, to get him and I would take him and, and all worries about chemistry aside, I would take him. But I feel like we're overpaying for him no matter what. He's going to get 30 million a year at least, I think. And I, I just want to reiterate the Celtics fans out there is like this move that we made for smart. So you, you already said, I don't think there's any more top 20 guys coming. You know, there's going to be small. This is a move that we've been begging for the Celtics to make 100%. for years that, that we, we've been shake asking it for a major shakeup. We've been asking for something big to change, not just a Brogdon for Neesmith and like all these, you know, small pieces. We've been asking for a major shakeup within this team because we keep getting to this same point and we got it. So like, instead of dwelling on the past, like I know, I know it's a tough pass guys. I get it. But like, come on, this is exactly what we've been asking for. This is going to be a 100% different squad this right. upcoming year. It was a hundred percent different outlook of every game. The offense is going to be different. The defense is going to be different. Things are going to change. And I think it's a good thing. I know change is tough. I know it is. But in the end, I, I really think it's going to work out for us. So once again, think, think of 04 Red Sox. Once again, right, I, right. I, when I, when I, I, I'm not afraid. I bowled when I heard that no more Garcia Park got traded. Like, he, he was my childhood hero. Like, that was my guy. Love, love no more Garcia Park. You know, war, war number five, like him, did the whole thing with the, with the, with the gloves and the, like, that, that was my guy. So if that guy could get moved and, oh, guess what happened? Orlando Cabrera comes, Doug, Mc, Doug McCavish comes. Oh, 
They go, they go to the World Series and they fucking win it. Championship. Um, it's just put the brakes. Just soon. Championship. That's all that fucking hey, matters. That's all that matters. Sometimes yeah, good things. Cool, man. Sometimes good things have to fall apart for great things to come together. You're absolutely it's, right. And honestly, if you if you guarantee me a championship, there is not one man that's safe on that roster. It, like if if you guarantee me a championship, I don't give a fuck. There's no, there's nobody I love enough. I don't even know if my wife is safe enough. If you guarantee me a sex a Celtics championship, I'd be like, I don't know, Leah. Maybe we can reconnect again down the road. <laughs> you know, like maybe, maybe so your part isn't that I bad. I wasn't kidding when know? I said it was all about 18. Like, I don't, it's <laughs> like, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Like, I know it's going to cost me, but I got to see that shit. All right. Listen, I got a daughter named Tatum to prove No, I'm about okay, it. So. I'm about it. I'm going to cut you off before you say something stupid, though, because I just did. Listen, last thing, this is going to be a quick fire round because this is a good place to end, but quick fire round. I got five potential Malcolm Brogdon trades that I just pulled from the internet. I want you guys to pick your favorite one lightning round. I'm going to give you all five. Try and remember them. Malcolm Brogdon for Mike Conley to the Timberwolves. Malcolm Brogdon for Royce O'Neal and Patty Mills for Brooklyn. Malcolm Brogdon for Jared Vanderbilt, as I just mentioned, and Malik and Malik Beasley. Malcolm Brogdon for Kelly Olenek and Chris Dunn. Malcolm Brogdon for DeAnthony Melton and PJ Tucker. What's your favorite trade out of those five? Oh, v- Vanderbilt and Beasley. Yeah, 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 that's 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 also the least thing. likely one to occur. Least <laughs> like, wait, honestly, what's the last one you said? The uh, Melton and Tucker, Kelly Olynyk and Chris Dunn. Oh no, I thought you said or, or Anthony Melton and PJ Tucker. Yeah, that's a good one so, too. That that would be Nelson was phenomenal against Tatum in in the playoffs. PJ Tucker, dude, he's a but, thousand years old. But you want you want that toughness? That that's 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 the guy. I want that toughness from the bench. He can play the same role. Sam Cassell can teach him how to do what he did in 08. <laughs> that's like no. you can you're happy i'm happy to have you for that hit that reason. one shot hit that one shot that's all you get i was do. begging for us to leave him wide open for the entire 76 series then we finally did we started winning games that's all i'm saying yeah uh d'anthony melton though fuck yeah i take him for that i like i like the idea of kelly olenek coming back too all right all all possibilities I mean, chris, I don't chris, chris, listen chris dunn once again Chris Dunn was in the same draft as. Um, we already the, traded for Chris Dunn once, and we traded yeah, his ass and like. And once again, I'm, I'm I had my both my hands raised. I was I was ready. I was ready for the Chris Dunn era. I thought that he was going to be the guy. So thankfully, I'm not a GM because I was definitely former Friar, Providence um, Friar. You know, so, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. So I just think to me, if having Olenek and Dunn come back, yeah, that 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 would that probably would be the best fit for this team. Because Olympic has played with some of the guys on on the team, uh, which is crazy to think how how fast seventy years goes. But he he was there with with Brown and Tatum. Well, no, he didn't play with Tatum, but he did play with Brown for that year. So yeah, I mean, why 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 not? Maybe that might be the most realistic one. If that was the case. But would anybody be um, opposed to signing Demarcus Cousins to a two way contract or 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 a veteran minimum? Well, I, I, is I, that I, ship sailed? I, 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 I'd be here for it. I'm I'm with it. Yeah. I'd be here for you. Absolutely. I don't think, Listen, I mean, you know, you know, you know, which two you're talking about, bro. Demarcus Cousins brings sunshine and rainbows for me and Ray Sean. Like NBA that. 2K11 all yeah. over again. Let's go. I actually, that was actually part of, part of the uh, podcasting agreement. If we want to be a podcast, you're actually obligated to mention a possible Demarcus Cousins uh, signing it for is, your NBA yeah, team. It's, it's yeah. part of being a podcast. You have to do it once in off season. What about, what about Carmelo? We should bring Carmelo in. <laughs> He's right? retired. He's officially yeah, retired. You don't have to do that anymore. I love Carmelo Anthony in his, in his day, though, to be honest with you. Him and Chauncey Billups, if you want to talk about NBA 2K, him and Chauncey Billups were my squad when they were yeah, running bro. it back in the day. Because you want to talk about pick and roll. Back in Denver, bro? Oh, yeah. That was that was the best Nuggets team since now. 
All right. Well, we've talked a lot, a lot of pie in the sky things, a lot of things mentioned, a lot of things on record. But honestly, what I am surprised about, about the tenor of this conversation is we're generally optimistic again about the Boston Celtics. Who would have fucking thunk it, guys? Who would have thought a little change from some redundancy over the past but five honestly, years? I don't think we would be, I don't think we would be in this position if we were just going to run it back with the same fucking squad again. Because I don't agree. I, I think we'd all be like, you know, look, the, the holes are there to be exploited. So at least we have uh, the the we're, we're, all we have now is possibilities. All we have now is our optimism. So we'll see how it goes. I, I want to definitely talk about these players in the regular season. I want to see how Chris Stapps shakes out in that team. I want to follow the development of that of that new of this new system, and see what Sam Cassell can bring to the coaching uh, coaching styles. I want to see Joe Mazzulla grow as a coach. He gets a full on pass for me at this point. I want to. We're starting with a clean slate, me and Joe. I'll probably hate him come fucking April, but like we'll see. So bright eyed, bushy tailed, all rainbows. Uh, here at Missing the Point. This has been our wonderful podcast about the Celtics offseason, and I'm really looking forward to our DeMarcus Cousins signing. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.